test. Can you hear me? All right. While they're uh, taking up the offering, we felt uh, by the Spirit of God that we would uh, do the communion after my message. And so we're going to do communion later in the service. Flip 180, you guys are going to be staying in with us. And uh, we're really looking forward to getting in the Word today, aren't you guys? Yes. Amen. I really appreciate all the encouragement that uh, you guys have been giving me and uh, on this Ephesians study as we uh, were, uh, we missed the last Sunday because of that wonderful snow. I don't know about you, I spent a couple hours Sunday morning digging out of our driveway. Anybody else? So we missed last week, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to briefly review um, just, uh, just a little bit before we, we get into the message. I really believe God's going to do something in our hearts today. And I've really been praying that um, the Lord would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation today. That we would really get a revelation and understanding of, of him and who he is and what he has done. And as we're going into the book of Ephesians, we're going to start with chapter 1 today. And uh, I really thought that maybe we would get this done in six weeks, but it's probably not going to be possible. So we're just going to go with how the Spirit of God uh, leads us. We're going to have some breaks in the messages uh, with uh, New Life being here in a couple weeks, and we're going to have Easter and uh, some other things, so we may not get through six weeks of Ephesians as quickly as we think. Uh, we'll see how today goes and how it advances. Today, kind of just to give you an idea of what I'm going to try to accomplish, uh, I'm going to try to accomplish the high points in chapter one of Ephesians. I'm going to also try to accomplish uh, something where I try to help you on how to study the Word of God. So in my message today, as we go along, I'm going to uh, show some things up on the PowerPoint, and Tom's going to work with the computer, and we're going to kind of just navigate uh, how to study the Word of God as we're going through Ephesians, because here's what my, my desire, and I know it's the Spirit of God's desire, is that when we're reading Ephesians together, there's going to be words, there are going to be phrases, there's going to be things that pop out of uh, the book of Ephesians as you're reading it through the week, as you're using that devotional that we gave you through the week, there's going to be things that stick out to you. And, and, and I, I, I just pray that you'll take those, what I call them Holy Spirit moments, I call it the light bulb of heaven where he begins to highlight something to you. It's because you need something. You need a revelation, and so he highlights it to you. But what most people in the body of Christ do is they leave it there, and they go, oh, that was good, and they go on, and they don't take the time to do what we're going to do today to get in the Word of God, to study it, to begin to break it down and say, God, what are you trying to share with me? So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the Word of God in Ephesians chapter 1 and give you some of the highlights that God put in my heart. But I promise you today, I will not cover everything that is in chapter 1 of Ephesians. Uh, I've given you a handout today. If you have that handout, it was in the bulleted insert. I'm going to make about 11 points today. And that's, that's a lot of points in one service. So we may not get there. If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. Uh, we'll pick up next week. 
but you're going to be able to fill in the blank. We got some ink pens here. If you don't have ink pens, Alger's got them. If you didn't get a handout, you teenagers need one as well uh, to fill in the blanks. Uh, but uh, I've got extras up here if you need. Does everybody get a handout? Michelle, pass you out if you don't. If you didn't get one, Michelle, if you don't mind just uh, going around and giving people if they need one. If you didn't get the handout in the bulletin insert today, you'll need that today as we go through the message. I hope you brought a notebook. I hope you have your Bible. I hope you have a heart that's ready to learn. Amen? A heart that's ready to grow. Anybody want to grow? Anybody want a revelation? I've said this many times. Meditation brings revelation. Revelation brings transformation. We want to be transformed by the reading of God's Word. Amen? We're learners. We love the Word of God, don't we? Tom's messages, he started us out where we are, we love to read, we love to learn, we love to grow. And so uh, we're, we're changing our turn. No, no longer are we confessing that we hate to read, right? How many love to read? Amen. We're changing, amen, changing that confession. I love to read. Amen. So hopefully you've got the handout because you're going to need that because we're going we're to book right through that. And these are truths that we're going to, to discover today out of chapter 1. Now, a couple weeks ago, I shared just the history of Ephesus. And you guys love that. You love the pictures of the Greek goddess Artemis and the, and the city of Ephesus and how it was ravaged by war and how everybody wanted the city. And we talked about how Paul spent three years uh, preaching and teaching in the synagogues and from house to house and how Paul went to Ephesus and literally Paul, the apostle Paul, changed the city of Ephesus with the gospel. The gospel came to Ephesus that was a polytheist city that worshipped many, many gods. They worshipped many, many different idols. And we saw with that message a couple weeks ago how Paul came and he literally changed the spiritual landscape in that city and how that city, Jew and Gentile, became, uh, they began, began to get born again. They began to change. The city was in uproar. The, 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 the blacksmith or the, the silversmith guild began to get angry at Paul because he was preaching one God. <laughs> Not many gods, but he was preaching one God, Jesus Christ, son of the living God. You must be saved through Jesus Christ. And that city was getting saved like crazy. And the, this, the guild, the silversmith guild was getting angry at him because it was affecting their money. They weren't making the money that they could have been making because no longer were people worshiping the idol of Artemis. But now they were turning their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we want for our city of Newcastle. That's what we want for our region. We want it for Muncie. We want it for this land. People turning their hearts to Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we want to become like Paul. We want to be Paul, like, like, like Mike was saying. We want to evangelize and win people to Christ, don't we? That is our desire. But Paul wanted to get a revelation into the hearts of the church in Ephesus. And so after he left Ephesus... He had been there for three years. He leaves. He's not been there for two and a half years. And now he writes the book of Ephesus that we're getting ready to study. He's in prison in Rome. He's locked down. And God begins to speak to Paul, the apostle, 
about writing a letter to Ephesus, about writing this letter that would circulate throughout the churches in Asia Minor. And now we're getting ready to study that book. We're getting ready to get some revelation of what Paul was trying to teach the church because Paul had gotten a powerful revelation. And anybody else in this place want it? Amen, we want it. So Christianity had grown in the city of Ephesus. Paul was now gone. We know that Paul had set up eldership in this church in Ephesus. He talks about how he came back to the elders of that church, and he warned them, and he told them, he said, be careful, make sure you shepherd the flock of God there in Ephesus. He had prophetically warned them that the last time he was with them that they were going to have savage wolves come in among the church and they were going to try to divide them. They were going to try to teach unsound doctrine. And he just warned them, the, the elders there, he said, be careful, give, give, give attention to yourself and give attention to the flock of God because some will try to draw men to themselves. There will come false prophets after I'm gone, and they will try to devour the body of Christ. And we've seen that happen in the body of Christ. And so he warns them, and now he comes, and he's in prison, and the Holy Spirit begins to stir Paul's heart. (laughs) He begins to download these powerful spiritual truths that we're getting ready to dive into. And Paul is so excited about these truths and how these truths should affect how believers live. Say, how believers live. live. Paul is getting ready to give us some doctrinal truth in the first three chapters of Ephesians. And these truths about what Jesus has done should affect the way I live. It should affect my conduct. It should affect the way I think. And so we're going to go through those truths. I believe it's what Jesus has done first that then compels me to be faithful. (laughs) Amen on that. And so Paul felt this responsibility of informing this church, strengthening this church, encouraging them by assuring them of their place within the gracious, saving purpose of God and urging them to live their lives in conformity to God's word. And so we're going to start with the PowerPoint today. And we're going to go to, if you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 1.1. And we're going to begin this lesson today. And I think we're going to have some fun. And so I just want to ask you, as you read this passage, who is Paul talking to? His very first phrase, he says, to the saints which are in Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So who is he talking to? I have down here, God calls you saint, not sinner. And uh, I have the question mark of what does saint mean? But before we get into this teaching, I want you to realize Paul begins to address first the born-again people who were lovers of God. He's not talking to those who are not saved. He's not talking to some who um, maybe are religious. But he's talking to people who are born again. If you're in this room today, and you're born again, you've given Christ your heart, he was talking to people like you. If you're not born again today, man, I say, don't leave this service without coming and talking to me after service. Because the promises that we're going to talk about today, the things we're going to talk about, the spiritual blessings in Christ don't pertain to you. 
And I want them to pertain to you. <laughs> I want the promises of God to pertain to you. So first off, and I tell you, I got a little teary-eyed. I couldn't even get past verse 1. To be honest with you, and I shared this with many people this week, just with how Paul addresses you. How does Paul address you? Now that word saint makes me cry. Because that's not how I feel about myself. Do I have a witness? What do you think saint means? I mean, in the Catholic Church, you can't be a saint until you're dead. I mean, they do sanctify some, but most people in the Catholic Church, you're a saint after you're long gone. But he's talking among the living. So what do you think saint means? Well, we'll try to advance this. Am I on? The Greek word hagios the definition means you are sacred, you are pure, you're morally blameless, you're holy, you're set apart. Paul is talking about your position in Christ. If you're a saint, if you're born again, he calls you a saint. He says you're holy, you're blameless. But how many feel that way? See, the saint, the word saint here, is what God has done. And to the faithful in Christ is my part. You see, there's this part that God has done through Christ, making you a saint, making you holy, because you've taken on the name of Jesus Christ. I am in, say, I'm in Christ. If I'm in Christ, I am a saint. If I'm not in Christ, I'm a sinner, needing grace. Okay, so this very first, very first chapter, very first verse talks about being a saint, and he declares something about this to us. See, Paul first speaks of the sanctification that comes to the believer by God. Okay? Sanctification, this thing of becoming holy, this is what God does through Christ for you and to you. Say, to me. This is pretty important, guys. He has made us holy. This setting apart comes before my faithfulness. You hear me? This setting apart, this holiness, this comes before my faithfulness. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. While I was yet in my sin, so it's, this is the part that he has done, this sanctification, this glorying you and making you holy and blameless. That is shouting grounds, by the way. That, that Paul addresses the people that way, but yet that God sees me this way. Hopefully, as I go through this message, this is going to make more sense. Ah, not hopefully, it will. It will, because he's made us holy. The setting apart comes before my faithfulness. <laughs> and God's grace sanctifies us and makes us holy unto himself. And he calls you and me a saint. <laughs> he calls you and me a saint. 
He calls you and me holy. He calls you and me blameless. He calls you and me because we are in Christ. I am holy. Teenagers, you're holy in Christ. <laughs> in him, not in yourself. That no man could boast. In Christ, I am holy. So, so Paul is speaking to the redeemed in Christ, to saints, not sinners. So true Christians who have given their lives to Christ. So f- number one, the first point that I want to make today, in your notes, you can write it down. I am blessed in my position with God. I am a saint in God. Point number one, we are blessed in our position in God. I am a saint in and through Christ. Can anybody say amen? Amen. That's who I am. That is my true identity. The old man has died. Behold, the new man. That's where I've got to live. When I, get, when I get, begin to get uh, messed up and I start to lose my way, I have to say, no, no, that's not who I am. I am a saint. I am a child of the living God. I am not going back to the mire. This is who I am. And when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, you raise up the standard inside you and you go, no, 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 devil. <laughs> As we were told to do this morning, no, that's not who I am. I am a son of the living God. I am a saint. I'm set apart. I'm holy unto the Lord. That's who I am. That's who I am. You guys are shouting this morning. Yeah, that's who I am. That's who my children are. That's who the people in this house are. And we have to remind ourselves, we do war with that truth. We do war with that blessing, that spiritual blessing in Christ. Because trust me, our flesh falls apart sometimes. And I have to remind my flesh, ha, 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 buddy, that ain't who you is. Don't stay there. Get up. A righteous man falls, but he gets up. He gets up. He gets up. So he sees me holy and blameless. That's good news, isn't it? So that's your point number one. So Ephesians 1, 3, we're going to go a little farther. And he says, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what are the spiritual blessings in Christ? Does anybody want to know? And what realm have we been blessed in? We've been blessed in the heavenly realm. Now, it works out in the natural as well, but it is heavenly. It is spiritual. And so what are these spiritual blessings? We're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You can write that in your notes. And here's what I believe. I believe what Paul is doing right here, he's really setting us up. He's setting the context really for the next three chapters in Ephesians. And he's going to begin to talk about what are the spiritual blessings that we get in Christ. What are the promises that he's talking about? And so I know several I talked to this week that people said, well, man, what are the spiritual blessings? Man, I want to know the spiritual blessings. Well, when you get that highlighted, that's where you're supposed to go further. You're supposed to now go into the mystery of the word and begin to dive into what are the spiritual blessings in Christ. So, oops, I went too far. So what are the spiritual blessings? And now what I believe what we're going to do is now we're going to take this from verse 3 and on down. We're going to begin to discover what are these spiritual blessings. Because I believe chapter 1 starts talking about 
the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Are you guys with me? And we're going to start to discover those, and we're going to mine those for truths and revelation that are going to bring transformation. So can I have an amen? amen? So we're going to look at the spiritual blessings that Paul has already spoke of. So the first one that I want to go back to is number one, again, was, hey, I am in my position. I am in Christ. I'm holy, right? That's one of the spiritual blessings. Number two, we have all spiritual blessings. And now we want to go to number three on this thing here. And here's where I'm going to try to help. Tom's going to help me. And we're going to start, because this is what God did to me as I was studying this chapter. I'm going to take you through what I believe God does. And you may do it differently, but this is how I do it. You don't have to do it like me. But God highlighted the word chose. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, I'm in my quiet time. I'm in my time of reading the word, and the word choose comes up. You guys want to see where God took me? Okay, so I'm going to take you where he took me, and hopefully it'll bring a revelation to you. And then you'll get this opportunity that when you now read the word and a word like choose comes up, you'll start to do what I'm getting ready to show you. And as I show you how to do it, you're going to go, oh, that's not so hard. That's how that bonehead does it. (laughs) Yep, that's how that bonehead does it. Okay, so you guys ready? For he chose us in him. Okay, so Tom, if you can get Bible Hub. Now, I realize when I asked last week, I asked how many have a computer, and there was nobody in the house that didn't have one, and I know Grandma Leela does not have a does not have a computer. So you're going to have to use a concordance to do this kind of stuff, but stay with me because it applies to all of us. Does everybody have a computer? Yeah. Write down Bible Hub. Bible, bu- 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 I had a hard time that week too. Bible Hub. I want to say Bubba Hubba Bubblegum. <laughs> Hubba Bubba Bubblegum. BibleHub.com. And this is how you can actually go to study the Word of God. Okay, so you guys with me? Now, before I have Tom go anywhere, what we're in the New Testament right now, right? Ephesians is in the New Testament. So you know this, the, the New Testament is written in Greek, okay? The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, okay? So when you're in the New Testament, you realize you've got to look for a Greek word, so if God highlights chose to you, chosen, then you're going to look for a Greek word to find out what it means, okay? And so what we're going to do, he, he'll, he'll type in Ephesians 1, what is it, 3 or 4? 1, 4, excuse me. And we're going to start going through the uh, Greek and Hebrew. So God highlighted this, this to me. And so again, since Ephesians is in the New Testament, we're going to be looking at Greek words. So he pulls up the New International Version, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Okay. Now, if you will, Tom, go ahead and go to, see up on the right where it says Greek? Ah, Greek, right there. See that, guys? I know I'm in the New Testament. I'm looking for a Greek word in this passage of for he chose us in him. So click on Greek. And now we go down and we look for my word. So he chose is the second one down. And so in English, it's he chose. But we're going to go to the, the, the Greek word. Exu- yeah, that. 
Go ahead and pronounce that, guys. And he will click on that. It's the, it's the Strong's number, 1586. And so now this screen drops down to us, and it begins to show us what the Greek word chosen actually means. So look at this now. For he chose, and, and, and it shows the NAS version, the King James version, the international version, and it gives all these different scriptures. And okay, where am I wanting to go now? Yeah, oh yeah, hit the Strong's number. Exactly. So see how Tom went and he hit 1586. So go, yeah, that number right there. That is the, so we're going to go to that Greek word. Now you guys may say, oh gosh, Eric, this is, no, this is really fun. This is where studying the word of God gets fun. And so he goes to this word, 1586, and it begins to show you that it's a verb, the transliteration, what it means, and how to phonically say it. So you don't have to look like a stupid guy like me, go, ek lego mihehi. Okay? Okay, so it phonetic, phonically spells it out. And the short definition means I choose, I elect. And I love this definition right below. I pick out for myself. God picks out for himself. Me. You. Now, does that seem a little better than chose? So he's choosing, he's electing, he's selecting. And then you can go down even to the helps word study, just a little lower, and it gives you more explanation, which I think is really good, properly to select or choose out of by a highly deliberate choice, a real heart preference for God with a definite Look at that. With a definite outcome, as with the destination of divine selection for salvation. So, here's what happens to me. I pull up these words. I begin to look. There's cross-references as well. You can go to the English concordance, and you can look stuff up. You can go down, and it has other scriptures that refer it back. Is there anything else in there, Tom, that you think is exciting for you? I'm so excited about going to the Revelation that I, I want to be, but th you can play with this. You can go online and play and begin to go all to these, these commentaries. You can go to, see how the Matthew 25, 34, and these cross-references on the right, they are cross-referenced, and what they're doing is they're taking you back to other scriptures that will help bring a revelation to you of what God is talking about in these passages. And I'm going to give you a couple of those passages that God began to download in me when it came to the word chose. Are you guys seeing this? Is this too difficult? At the bottom of the page, there's also commentaries on that first page. Yes. Where At I the read. bottom of that page, see how it says Matthew Henry's concise commentary? And so he'll begin to explain in his own words what he thinks is important about that passage. And so you can do Patrick Henry. You can do all these other guys who have been theologians of the past. And you can kind of begin. And if you have a study Bible, some of that's in your study Bible. But this is the, here's what I want you guys to realize. We love to read. We love to study. We love to mine truth from the word of God. Because I'm telling you what I'm getting ready to share, share with you on just this word chosen. I'm telling you, it changes your heart. It changes how you see God and how, you, how he sees you. And when you see how he sees you, 
it changes you. So here's how it worked for me. Here's the process. One, two, three, four. You guys ready for this? Okay. So when I get in the Word and I'm reading Ephesians chapter 1, I'm praying before I read the Word. Okay? I'm saying, thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for releasing a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might mine from this Word what you want for my life. Lord, open my eyes. Enlighten me. Help me to see what you want me to see as I read. And then I begin reading. Okay? After I do that, I then, as I get to a place like chose... He chose you before the beginning of the foundations. And the word gets highlighted. This is what I do. I go to this and I begin to look at that word in the Bible and in the commentaries. And I begin to say, God, show me. What are you trying to speak to my heart? God, give me a download. You guys are capable of this. Teenagers, you're capable of this. Flip 180, you're capable of this. If you need help, let your parents help you through it. And so I pray, and I ask the Lord to give me a revelation. And I begin to meditate, I begin to think, chew, throughout the day on this word. On this thing that God has highlighted to me. And then scripture starts to come to my mind, or the cross-references, like in this one, John 15, 16, came to my heart. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Another passage was 2 Thessalonians 2.13. This is another passage that he began to highlight to me. Because from the beginning, God chose you. Because from the beginning, God chose you. Yes, from the beginning, God chose you. I say from the beginning, God chose you. To be saved. He chose you to be saved. He chose you to be saved. Everyone in this room, he chose you to be saved. (laughs) Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth, he called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so now I'm meditating on these two passages. I'm meditating on these things and I'm going through my day and I'm heading to a counseling appointment and I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, "Mm, God, what are you trying to say to me? I'm in the shower, which I need a shower right now because I'm sweating. And I'm showering and I'm thinking of these things. When I yell at Abraham, I'm thinking, you're chosen, don't argue with him. No, just kidding. (laughs) But I go through my day and I'm chewing, I'm thinking, I'm meditating, I'm saying, what are you trying to show me, Lord? This is how it works, guys. This is where it caps, this is where it happens. And you might say, well, that's a lot of work. No, it's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. So then here begins what happens, okay? So now I'm meditating and asking him to reveal himself to me. And here's the circumstances now that now in my life, God uses circumstances that now begin to speak to my heart about this word chosen. Okay, the first one happens is several months ago because I've been studying Ephesians for probably since December. And so around the first of the year, Um, this coach um, is wanting Abraham to come play basketball for Anderson University. I cleared this through Abe. He said I could do it. And so this thing 
begins to well up in Abraham's heart that he's being chosen by this coach. This coach wants him. And so I'm meditating. I was like, ooh, the coach wants Abe. Chosen. Hmm. What are you saying to what what are you? He says, What's it doing to your son's heart? Well, it's making him feel belonging. It's making him feel wanted. It's making him feel confident. It's changing the way he plays basketball. It's changing his performance. When I know I'm chosen by God, it will change my performance. It'll change the way I act, the way I talk. My confidence level will be boosted. My identity will be changed. So then I was talking to a guy, and he was talking about him and his relationship with his wife. And the wife had asked him, did you choose me? Did God choose you for me? He has no idea what's going on in my mind when he's asking me this question. I'm going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> ding, ding, the light bulbs are going off. Her confidence was not very confident because she wasn't secure in her relationship because she wasn't sure had God actually put us together. And so the insecurity of the wife's heart until he said, absolutely, God has put us together, baby. What God has brought together, let no man put asunder. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let me ask you about the insecurity of the woman's heart when she doesn't know if she's chosen. This woman better know she's chosen by me. This woman is my wife, my beloved. And when she knows it, her security is foundationally unshakable. She knows I'm not going to cheat on her because she's mine and I've chosen her. Get me going. <laughs> Did you choose me? <laughs> I'm a little insecure right now. <laughs> so this is how God works it inside of me. I read the word, and then circumstances happen, and this thing starts exploding on the inside of me that, wow, I've been chosen, and my identity is secure in him when I know it. And it changes the way I respond and how I live for God when I know that I'm chosen by him and that he, I was not an afterthought. I was not an, you were not an afterthought. Man, I know several years ago I've shared this before, but of the 400,000 eggs in my mama's ovaries, why was mine fertilized? <laughs> why was I born? Why was I chosen by the living God to be in Newcastle, Tucky, Indiana? Why, when I left and went to banking, why was there this desire to come back to Newcastle? Because I'm chosen. There's a chosen all over this room. We're all chosen by God to do great exploits for the king of glory. Can I have an amen? And so revelation comes. 
I'm a saint. I'm holy and set apart. My position in God is secure. I'm chosen by him. I'm not an afterthought. I'm not the result of a mistake. But no, I'm the intentions and the deep love of God that there's a purpose for my life. I have come out of this intense love and purpose of God. I was his preference. Say that. I was his preference. Say it again. I was his preference. He made a deliberate choice of me. Say that. He made a deliberate choice of me. God made a deliberate choice of you. Does that do anything for you? Do you see how this revelation works when God highlights a word in Ephesians 1, chapter 4, that you're chosen before the creation? (laughs) Before there was a twinkle in my daddy's eye, my natural daddy, I was already a twinkle in the father's eye. I was chosen for salvation. You have been chosen for salvation. Isn't that good news? So the point in your notes, we are blessed being chosen by God. He Say it, he is the chooser. (laughs) Being chosen secures my identity and my value. And my friends today, if you'll get that revelation, if you'll allow this and you'll meditate on this this week, if you'll take these scriptures and meditate on them, these are the things that begin to happen in your heart where you begin to get your identity secure inside of you. Can I have an amen on that? Wow, 12 o'clock already. This is good. We'll go through just a couple more, and we'll, we want to, you know, we we want to, um, you know, sometimes you can go too fast. And so we're going to trust the Lord where he stops us. Amen. Amen. So we are blessed with being chosen by God. Now let's go to Ephesians 1.4. And this verse says, we are blessed with holiness and blameless in love before God in Christ. So I want you to think about this, that you are literally holy and blameless in love. I know we said this earlier under the the word saint and how under the word saint it says we're blameless, we're holy. But again, Paul is emphasizing this to the church in Ephesus for a reason. He's saying you're called and you're chosen by God and you're chosen to be blameless and holy and set apart. So in your notes, you can put, we are blessed with holiness and blamelessness. Say, I'm blessed with holiness (laughs) and blamelessness in love before God. This is every spiritual blessing in Christ. In God's sight, what he sees is that I am holy and that I am blameless. Now, what does that do for you? So when you did something stupid last night, when we, you know, I know there's people that smoke, drink, do all kinds of stupid stuff in here. I know you're here. Some of you I smell before you even get here. <laughs> you know, that cologne or that perfume just doesn't, just doesn't do the trick. <laughs> and the reason I don't condemn you is because we are all 
we all have struggles in our life. And we're working through those, and it's a process. But the reason we hang on to so much of that garbage is because we don't know who we really are in Christ. It's because we haven't gotten the revelations that I'm talking about. It's these revelations that you, when you get this understanding of who we are and what he has actually done, it's like, Lord, I don't even desire to do that stuff because of what you've done for me. What you've accomplished on the cross of Calvary for me, that stuff is such an inferior pleasure compared to you. And so I know there's things that are hanging on to your life, and there's things where you feel shame and condemnation. And I say, let it go. Let it go. Know who you are. Really, in actuality, you are holy and blameless. And you have to put those things aside. You got to go, God, help me. You got to get help from people and from God to get set free from some of that garbage. Yes. You don't just live in it. Those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is the scripture, isn't it? And so there's things that we have to get rid of. Absolutely. But it's not going to be through self-effort. Hear me. It will not be through self-effort. It won't be you gritting your teeth and, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's going to be through revelation. It's going to be through intimacy with Christ. It's going to be through his power and not my self-effort. It's when I get these revelations that we're going through in the word right now. And as we go through them and as we ask God, and you ask God, Lord, highlight what I need. Show me as we're going through Ephesians, God, what are you trying to show me? It's when you follow what I just did in the word on Bible Hub and you start to engage your heart on getting free yourself and getting revelation. When you quit relying on the message that's preached on Sunday morning and you do it yourself and you go and you dig and you eat and you scrap for truth. You shut the video game off. You shut the TV off. You choose to get alone with God and say, God, open my eyes. Because if you don't do that, you're going to keep living the way you're living. And the word of God will not change you. And you'll feel shame. And you'll feel condemnation, and you'll feel all those ucky, yucky, booky, yucky, ducky, yuckies, right? And you'll beat yourself up, and you'll judge others, and you'll condemn others. Because you know why we condemn and judge other people? is because we know that we got that garbage in us. And by looking at somebody else and putting somebody else down, it makes me feel better about myself. Because I'm not looking at them through the eyes of Christ. I'm looking at them through the flesh because I see myself through the flesh rather than I'm chosen. Rather than I'm different. Rather than I am the righteousness of Christ. I am seated in heavenly places. Let's at least get to the video and we'll stop there. I got a good video for you guys. God, I just pray for the children ministry workers. Would you give them an extra amount of grace right now, God? As they're laying down their life so that we can hear the word of God right now. God, bless our workers. Give them strength. Thank you for their sacrifice and them doing it for you, God. Bless them. Just go a little longer because I want to get to this. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. We'll hit them real quick. 
How do I say quick? It's so powerful. Look at this stuff. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Look at that. Pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Now, I've got two points here. You know, we've been adopted. Now, I praise God we have families here who have adopted children, who foster children. They have a greater revelation of adoption than I even do. That you take someone in as their own. So point five is this. We are blessed with adoption through Christ. A spiritual blessing is you, the Jews were God's chosen people, and you are a Gentile, and you get adopted into the family. We, there's unity now between Jews and Gentiles, and we become part of the family. We're not left out to be uh, not getting it. But we've been adopted in the family of Christ. We've been predestined by his will and his desire and his pleasure for us. I'm going through these quick. We're blessed with God's glorious, everybody say grace, undeserved favor, which he blessed us with in the beloved. I'm telling you, point number six is huge. I, I could spend three weeks preaching on the grace of God. And some of you, that's going to be highlighted, and you need to go study that. We're blessed with God's glorious grace, his undeserved favor, which he has blessed us with because we're his beloved. But this next one I want to go into is really where I want to end it for today. In him, Christ, we have redemption. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood. We're going to have communion here. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Now, guys, you can take that passage, and I'm telling you, you can go home all week and meditate on that passage right there. In your notes, you have redemption. The word redemption there means you've been released. You, release affected by payment of a ransom. That you've been delivered. You've been repurchased back from you the debt of sin. So think about that. I've been redeemed. I've been the redemption. I've received redemption. I've been purchased back by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the word forgiveness there, we know what forgiveness is. But I'm going to show a video right now on forgiveness. And we're going to wrap this message up for this week. And we're going to go into next week and push chapter 1 a little further. Are you guys okay with that? I hope this video will help give you a revelation of what forgiveness is. I'm going to make a few comments about it, and then we'll uh, take communion. The power of forgiveness. He killed 48 women. He was called the Green River Murderer. He admitted the murders to the Superior Court in Seattle in 2003. This is the man. On November 5th. You know, the point I want to make with this man was he was not remorseful. He did not feel bad for what he had done. But yet the man forgave. And that's what God does. He forgives us. Because of his amazing love. And yes, there is the aspect that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive them. 
But God extends forgiveness to us. We just have to receive it. I think the man began to receive that forgiveness as he broke. And he began to cry. And the Spirit of God began to convict his heart then of what he had done because God's kindness leads us to repentance. And I don't think we understand this. The reason I don't think we understand this is because we have so many people we don't forgive in our life, therefore you don't have a revelation of how much God has forgiven you. Because if you had a revelation of how much God has forgiven you, you would give it freely. May we become a people of forgiveness. May we become a people who have a revelation of how much the Lord Jesus has forgiven us. Today we're going to experience the Lord's table. The table of the Lord as we take of the bread and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. May we today do that in remembrance of him. Got an amen on that? What we're going to do is we're going to have the worship team come up. We're going to do a song. The way we do communion here at New Covenant is we come down the center aisle. The ushers will serve the elements. And then we'll take it all together at the end. And uh, Jeff's going to share a couple things from his heart concerning communion. But I pray that as we think of the glorious riches that we have received through Christ today, how we're holy, we're blameless, we're, 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 we're without sin in his eyes because of what Christ has done. Let us not take the sacrifice that Jesus has made lightly. Can I have an amen on that? So feel free to come down the center aisle and receive the elements, and then we'll take them together as a church.